With COVID-19, it's not only about your physical health. Welcome to SBH Bronx Health Talk, produced by SBH Health System and broadcast from St. Barnabas Hospital in the Bronx. I'm Stephen Clark. From a mental health perspective, the pandemic continues to claim its share of victims. Yes, as things begin to open up, there's a desire to re-engage, to do what we once took for granted. But with this also may come anxiety and feelings of not having control over what the present looks like or what the future holds. With us today to discuss this is Jenna Cooper, a licensed clinical social worker and director of the Child and Adolescent Program at SBH Behavioral Health Services. Welcome, Jenna. Hi, thank you for having me. So in, in general, now that we're appearing to see some light at the end of the tunnel, are you still seeing depression, anxiety, grief among your young patients? I mean, to be honest, we're seeing all of those symptoms among all of our patients. We've had an influx within our intake department of new cases. We, at the start of the pandemic, we had several new patients come in that were exhibiting symptoms directly related to COVID and the trauma around being locked down in quarantine, um, losing family members, contracting COVID themselves, um, losing employment. And then as COVID seemed to stabilize, I don't want to say stabilize completely, our patient, our new patients slow a little bit. And in the recent weeks, in the last month, we've seen a significant increase in patients who are again experiencing the symptoms of depression and anxiety and grief around COVID, around fear of what is going to happen? Is it safe? And we're expecting to see more new patients as people begin to resume what we say is normal life, because we've all been locked down for over a year. And I think that many people have adjusted to that to an extent in the best way that they possibly could. And the and coming to terms with going back into the world is is very overwhelming, um, especially since we still know that the pandemic is going on. And, you know, there's new information coming out about protections all the time. So I think people, I think we're going to see a continuation of this, of mental health being significantly related to COVID for many more months and probably into 2022. Is this because uh, change is difficult for people, whether it's good to bad or bad to good, it's just the process of having to readjust? Yeah, I mean, the process to readjust, I think that the quarantine itself, the lockdown itself was something very different for most people, working from home, balancing work-life, you know, the work-life balance, within the confines of your space. And for New York City residents, our, you know, our population, our space is not huge. We, you know, we see a lot of patients who live in one bedroom apartments, um, you know, apartments with one bathroom. And so to have all of your children at home, to have all of the adults in the home was a definite adjustment. And then now adjusted to it, coming out of it is, is very difficult. I mean, for kids, 
you know, one example with kids is blended learning, remote learning was not the daily school day. It wasn't 7.30 to 3 p.m. It was a few hours online and then hours of break or, you know, and then a few hours again or just one hour of, of submitting schoolwork and being done. And so kids were given the ability to play video games more and engage in, in, you know, social media and television a lot more than they were before because they weren't in a set space for those hours every day. And going into September, we don't know exactly what um, the Department of Education is doing, but those decisions haven't been finalized yet. But if we really are seeing five-day-a-week in-person learning, that's going to be an adjustment for children to return back to that world. For, for adults, going back into the offices, fear of, you know, contracting COVID, the adjustment of not having to commute every day um, and being able to work from home and having the hours that you maybe were commuting to yourself uh, and losing that again is an adjustment. And just social interaction, teamwork is an adjustment again. Do, do you think children are more adaptable than adults when it comes to adjusting like this? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we do know that children are more resilient, uh, typically in most situations. But for all of us, this is going to be very new territory. You know, with SBH Behavioral Health, we have a school-based program, so we have clinicians in schools, and many programs have school-based programs within New York City. So you can, so you know, children can receive direct services within school, which I think will be very helpful as long as the schools are able to provide the space for, you know, the, the, the work. And we, again, we don't know what, what is going to happen. We don't know if it's going to be blended learning or if it's going to be five days in person for everyone. And so with those questions still up in the air, it is very difficult for parents. I mean, our adult population to, you know, summer is coming, which will be, you know, a a relaxing period in some way because hopefully people can get outside and and re-engage in the community slower because they'll have the ability to go outside but without having the answer from the department of education i you know i think parents are feeling still up in the air that their hands are tied what are we going to do in september with our, with our children you know may 1st 85,000 city employees went back to offices right um, right and we're seeing that much more i mean you know uh, with SBH Behavior Health, we're rotating in more often. Um, I know, you know, from a personal standpoint, other uh, adults that I am uh, in communication with are returning to offices more often. And what is that going to look like? How is that going to play out for our own mental health, but then also in managing our lives that we've learned to manage through this quarantine? Right. Um, a, a word that we're hearing more and more of, and there's a New York Times article that appeared a couple of weeks ago, is the word languishing. Are you seeing that? And exactly what is it? We, I think we definitely see it, especially around COVID and being locked down. It, you know, languishing is the concept of where you're not actually suffering from depression but you are in this state of blasé. You're in this state of fog. I, I saw a really great article um, from NPR um, a couple days ago that talked about brain fog and how um, the 
trauma of the pandemic has created that for many people, uh, professionals as well as people seeking services. And so languishing is this blasé feeling where, yes, you wake up and you go to work or you work from home and you get your work done, but you have no motivation. You have no interest in it. You know, your sleep, you might be getting seven or eight hours of sleep, but you are not getting quality sleep. You don't feel well rested in the morning. And so it's you're just going about your daily life and, and, and following through with what your responsibilities are. But you you don't feel happy within it. You don't feel connected to it. And, you know, I think it's this mix where we have adjusted to this pandemic life, but we have also I think many people are feeling unsure of what if they really want to go back to what normal was and the fear of of what that is. And, you know, I think we see with adults, especially because of um, the many responsibilities that adults have, that the idea of having to go back and socialize and to interact with people might not be of interest as much. And what that looks like, how can we turn down, you know, requests for interaction without being, you know, offending anyone, but also getting ourselves a little bit more, getting ourselves back to normal a little bit. Are are there clinical symptoms of languishing? I mean, can you point to certain um, symptoms themselves, which would indicate that somebody is, you know, is languishing? I mean, I think so. Languishing is not an official diagnosis of any kind, but, uh, you know, I would say it is the symptoms would be to look for are symptoms that are similar to depression. So low motivation, fatigue, lack of energy, you know, anxiety about your everyday responsibilities, yet the ability to go through it all. Um, I mean, I think that would be what you would look for. and. You, you know, I think that's key to really seeing the difference between depression and anguish, uh, languishing is that you are you are able to get out of bed every day. You are able to right. go to work. You are able to help your children with homework and make dinner and whatever it is, clean your, your house. But you still feel this overwhelming lack of interest and motivation in any of those abilities. And, you know, many people would say, you know, I never feel like cleaning my house, but it's it's still, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's, you get up and do it, but you just would rather be looking at the ceiling. You rather, you don't have an interest in engaging in any kind of activity. Yeah. Somebody told me that for years, for over 20 years, she would uh, always look forward to meeting her friends in the city and they go out for dinner and they go see a show or what have you when they work, work shows, obviously. Right. And that now she doesn't even feel like doing it anymore. Is that really sort of a, a sign of, of languishing? I think it's a sign of languishing. I think it is w- what we're going to see is the commonality of coming out of COVID and coming out yeah. of the pandemic. I think even people who maybe are not dealing with languishing, the motivation to interact with other people and to and to to seek you know, and have the desire to be social is something that we have all lost. And we all have Zoom fatigue, right? I mean, that was a big phrase going around. And so, yes, we have Zoom fatigue, but we also are, uh, you know, 
what are we going to do? How are we supposed to interact with another person? How am I supposed to go sit at a table? Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Is it safe for me? Because, you know, yes, my friends are vaccinated, but I don't know about the four people sitting at the table next to me. You know, with restrictions being lifted, I think I think this goes to a lot of fears around what's safe. Uh, you know, I think something that comes up with our patients is I, you know, especially we see patients who obviously were um, who are are dealing with mental illness and clinical diagnoses. Um, and so, yes, we had an influx of patients coming in, but we had patients before who, you know, really struggled with anxiety. And for example, when COVID hit, their anxiety was extremely exacerbated by COVID. So then, you know, coming out of this for these people who still have anxiety, is it safe for me to go to the supermarket? Is it safe for me to um, walk down the street? Do I, can I go to my doctor's appointments? I mean, I think that's even a big question. A lot of people are doing virtual doctor's visits and with doctor's offices opening up, can I go for my physical? Can I go to an OBGYN, the dentist? You know, I think these are all questions and, and concerns that people are struggling with. Well, as a therapist, what can you do to assuage their fears and their concerns? Is there any, do you just sort of talk them off the ledge? I mean, how, how do you do it? I think it's all about normalizing their their feelings, to be honest, and, and helping them see that everything that they are experiencing around this is what we are all experiencing around this, that this is not an uncommon experience. This is, this is what we are all facing and, and it's new to all of us. I mean, you know, most people didn't live in 1918 flu, uh, you know, so we are all new to this. We are all new to such a global pandemic. I know we've had other pandemics, but they weren't as, um, intense within our, you know, everyday population. And so I think it's normalizing their feelings. I also think it's helping them to re-engage slowly with activities. So I think the fact that summer is really coming and we can do more things outside, we did see in you know June, July, and August of 2020, people were active outside. And even at the height of the pandemic in those months, we, we saw people go outside. And I think getting outside and re-acclimating in that way being able to go to a park with people or being able to walk down the street without a mask as you know, now we're seeing CDC is telling us we can do safely will begin to help people feel more comfortable and more normal with reopening and helping people to see that and slowly begin to participate in activities. I think will allow people to really re-engage more in the fall. It's still going to be slow though. I don't, I don't see this as, you know, a fast moving process. And with all the news reports of COVID still, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of times we're focusing on the death rate and that can be very overwhelming for people um, and continue to feed into their anxiety. I would encourage people to, you know, with anxiety, stay away from the news. You know, you know, it seems like common sense, but we people do want to know what's going on. And it can be very anxiety, anxiety inducing for people who already have anxiety. But even people who are suffering with languishing and this feeling of blasé to see the news can exacerbate those feelings more because it feeds to these feelings of lack of interest and oh well so you know that justifies why I shouldn't go out today. Is languishing can it be a precursor to depression or anxiety? I think it definitely can be. It 
is something that we see a lot. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, we all struggle with emotions and languishing is a great word to use for people who don't have depression or anxiety, but we all have feelings and we all have days where we don't want to do things and, and, you know, periods of time that we have lack of interest, but it can definitely lead to it. I think that it is, I, you know, I don't have statistics and this is just from my professional opinion, but I think that it can be something that is less common to lead to it. Uh, I think we'll see it, you know, less people actually diagnosed with depression who are struggling with languishing. But that isn't to say that someone who's dealing with languishing and this and those feelings shouldn't seek professional help. You don't have to be, you know, clinically depressed to see a mental health provider. And, I, and you know, I would encourage people to still seek professional help if you really are struggling with that lack of motivation or interest. Yeah, well, let me ask you a final question, though. So what, when do you make that decision and you say either yourself or a child or a loved one, now is the time to seek professional help? Is there, when, where do you cross the line? I mean, honestly, when, you know, I think the moment you start to feel that you have different uh, feelings that you, you know, okay, well, I felt really good in my job the last six months, but now these last three months, I really am absolutely furious every day. I, you know, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to cook dinner. I want to just sit and do nothing after work. And, you know, those are signs for kids. I think for kids, to be honest, just any child that is going to be transitioning into full in-person learning, it would be a good idea for people to seek out at least the school counselor um, to start conversations with the school counselor about those transitions. Professional help, you know, I think if children's grades are suffering, if you're having difficulty getting your child to engage in in in-person learning or remote learning, you know, we've seen a lot of kids who refuse to sign on or, you know, at this point, the school year is coming to an end. So for a lot of kids, it's like, well, what's the point? I'm done. I don't want to keep doing this. Those would be maybe, I think, signs to definitely seek more professional help. As As a mental health provider, I think most people should always be seeking professional help. I think, you know, therapy and mental health is is really important. And if your anxiety, if you're feeling extremely anxious about returning to work or just interacting with other people and, and socializing, I would say those are signs also to, to talk to someone. And, and medication, I guess, could be an option, right? Is that is that possible? Definitely. I mean, you know, as since I'm not a psychiatrist, I can't totally speak to medication. Right. However, I would say that, you know, medication can be a good way to help alleviate symptoms more quickly. And it can actually then help with the progress of therapy because it can automatically give you a push to be motivated in therapy to um, really start to make the changes. Because sometimes it's really hard to put in the work that is needed to help ourselves. Well, Jenna, thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. This is very good information. Uh, And to our listeners, thank you for joining SBH Bronx Health Talk. For more information on services available at SBH Health System, visit www.sbhny.org. Until next time.